This podcast is an unedited excerpt from a live MCLE webcast. See the episode notes for details about the speakers and links to the program's full video and audio recording. Get access to everything MCLE offers for one low subscription fee with the MCLE Online Pass. Try it for free for a month. Go to www.mcle.org slash online pass. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being read. So getting to looking at how do we obtain 501c3 status, you form an entity, and we'll talk about that entity in a moment. And as I mentioned before, you apply to the IRS to get an employer ID number, which is just an online thing you do online and you get it right away. Um, and then once you have that, then you apply for, uh, you apply um, on form 1023 to the IRS to uh, to get your 501c3 status. When you form your entity, it's important to include specific language stating that the organization is organized and will be operated exclusively for 501c3 purposes. And you also have to include language saying that upon dissolution, any assets remaining after payment of debts will be uh, distributed to, for 501c3 purposes. There's also some other language that is advisable to include around private foundation rules and some other provisions as well. And then, uh, Eleanor, let, let me yeah. just add one thing about obtaining an EIN. As Eleanor mentioned, that could be done online. It could be done quickly. As we get closer to the end of the year, be careful, though, because the IRS tends to shut off its EIN system right toward the last couple of weeks of the year. So if you're planning on setting up a, a, a charity or any other organization that needs an EIN, don't wait until the last couple of weeks of the year. Get it done as soon as you can. Yeah. So then um, once you've set up the entity, gotten your EIN, then you apply for on the Form 1023 or 1023-EZ that we'll talk about in a moment. And then once you get your tax exempt status from the IRS, the IRS will issue what's called a determination letter, which is your C3 letter that you can show to donors and others. Um, and it, then in order to keep your tax exempt status, you need to file annual IRS information returns, which are the Form 990 series. So if you're a private foundation, you file Form 990 PF, regardless of your income or assets. If you are a public charity, you file Form 990N, which is if you have annual gross receipts of 50000 or less, and that is a very easy online form that you can do. Um, if you have gross receipts of um, more than 50000 then you can you can file 990EZ if your gross receipts are less than 200000 and you have less than 500000 in assets, and anything above that, you would file Form nine, the full Form 990. The key thing here is that you need to file your 990 forms uh, every year, and there are penalties for not filing. Um, but if you, and if you miss three years in a row, your exempt status will be automatically revoked. And I'm dealing with a, an organization right now that's in that uh, in that status and trying to get reinstated. And it's you, you don't want to end up in that situation if you can help it. 
So you, if, when you're forming a um, an entity and going to be getting 501c3 status, you um, the types of forms that you would could would generally use would be a corporation, a trust, in some cases an unincorporated association, but those are a little harder to deal with, so I wouldn't recommend using one of those if you can help it. Um, and in some cases, a limited liability company will qualify, but it's pretty limited, so to speak. Um, so a single member LLC is a disregarded entity for tax purposes. And so if you have a, a 501c3 that sets up a single member LLC, it's, um, it does not need to obtain 501c3 status or go to the IRS to obtain 501c3 status for its own single member LLC because that entity is disregarded. But if um, in some cases you may have a multiple member LLC um, and the IRS issued a notice in 2021 that is notice 2021-56 about what are the requirements for an LLC that is seeking 501c3 status. And the upshot is that all the members of the LLC must be 501c3 organizations or government entities, and the organizing documents for the LLC must require that. Um, and it has the organizing documents have to specify those and include those uh, provisions that I mentioned about limiting to charitable purposes and, dis and distributing for charitable purposes upon dissolution, and also include language that says that the, if one of the members ceases to be a 501c3 or a government entity, um, that there will be a contingency plan such as suspending their membership. So if you're dealing with an LLC, you need to be careful about how, how you do that. So most of the, the entities that we form are corporations. In some cases, for grant-making foundations, a trust form um, can be beneficial. So um, the... So generally, if you want to get 501c3 status, you have to file Form 1023 or Form 1023EZ to be recognized. However, if you uh, the organization is expected to receive less than five um, five thousand or less in annual income each year, it does not have to file a Form 1023. But if you're seeking charitable donations, your donors are probably going to want to have verification that you are a 501c3. So you're probably gonna to want to apply just to get the um, determination letter. Also churches and other houses of worship are not required to file and many do not. Some are covered under what's called a group exemption under, you know, in within their denomination. Um, some because of wanting to be able to show donors their determination letter will file so as to get a determination letter. The Form 1023 application is completed online now. Um, and uh, so we have a screenshot here, but you set up an account on what pay.gov and you fill in the form online. So I mentioned before Form 1023 versus Form 1023 easy. So, um, the 1023 is the long form and it takes the IRS longer to review and get back to you. Form 1023-EZ is possible if, like as I mentioned before, if your gross receipts are expected to be less than 50,000 in the first three years um, and your assets are valued at less at 250,000 or less. Um, 
So the Form 1023-EZ is super easy, but it does, it requires that you certify that you have those required provisions in your organizing documents. <clears throat> and uh, it's been my experience that many organizations that file do not, uh, I should say not ones that file through us, but ones that we see um, that I've come across. And, and certainly there's a lot of talk these days among practitioners that the Form 1023-EZ is really too uh, minimal of an application for the IRS to properly assess whether the organization will truly be is truly organized and will truly be operated for charitable purposes, and that's evidenced by the fact that many organizations that file under 1023 EZ do not have the proper provisions in their documents. You can once you file, the IRS has a page, a web page where you, called "Where is my application for tax exempt status?" and you can click on there and it gives you what the timing, their current timing is for review of applications. It doesn't tell you where, where your own application is, but it gives you contact info for the IRS. Um, and then often, well, sometimes, but not always, the IRS, if they have additional questions after they receive the application, they will follow up and with information requests. And the, it's important to respond to those by the deadline or you can, you know, or they will close your case and you might have to start all over again um, for 501c3s, if you apply within 27 months of formation, um, and for charitable trusts, for this, um, the IRS considers formation the date that the trust is first funded, and for a corporation, it's, of course, it's incorporation date, um, but if you file within 27 months of that, the uh, and the IRS approves your 501c3 status, that status will be retroactive to the date of formation regardless of when you file within that 27 month period. If you file after that 27 month period, the application will be, uh, the and the IRS grants you your 501c3 status, that status will be effective as of the date that you submitted your application. Um, if you fail to receive recognition by the IRS, you're, you know, you won't be able to, uh, you know, uh, take advantage of those benefits that we mentioned in terms of, your income tax not being, um, um, you, you will be taxable on your income and you know you won't be able to get tax deductible contribution. So it's important when you apply uh, for taxes on status that in that period while you're waiting to hear from the IRS that you don't hold, you know, don't represent that donations made to you at that point will be tax deductible. In fact, if you do, are, if you are approved and somebody makes a donation in that interim period, and you, your um, and your taxes up status is granted retroactively. They will get a a um, be able to claim a charitable contribution during that time, but you can't you can't represent that they will. Um, and then th the process for other five hundred one c organizations is different. So most other five hundred one c organizations do not need to affirmatively apply to get a determination letter from the IRS, although many may choose to for various reasons. So if you are setting up a 501c4, you may but are not required to file form 1024A to get a determination letter. If you opt not to file that form, then you have to file a, um, you have to file a notice with the IRS that you do online in notifying them of your intent to operate as a 501c4. And you have to do that within 60 days of your formation. If you are talking about other 
501c organizations such as social clubs or trade associations and the like, then you and you want to get a determination letter, then you file what's called Form 1024. Um, but like I said, you don't have to for those other types of entities file. You can just simply form and operate as in accordance with the IRS rules for those types of entities, and then you file your 990s in accordance as um, showing that you are operating in that manner. So to maintain your C3 status, um, well, as I mentioned before, you have to be organized uh, exclusively for those purposes and as demonstrated in your articles of organization or other formation document. And then you have to be operated in accordance with 501C3. So you can't engage in non-exempt activity that's more than an insubstantial part of your activities. There's no bright line as to what is considered insubstantial. So you have to exercise caution in when you're engaging in non-unrelated uh, activities and in some of these other activities that I'll talk about here. So as I mentioned before, the um, uh, 501c3 must be um, benefit the general public rather than private interests. And <clears throat> The benefit to private parties, whether those parties are related to the organization or not, must be incidental to the public benefit that the organization provides, both qualitatively, as in the private benefit is a mere byproduct of the organization's um, public benefit activities, and also quantitatively, as in private benefit cannot be, uh, must be an insubstantial in amount when compared to the other activities. So um, you have to be careful if you're engaging in for-profit affiliations or joint ventures, mm -hmm. um, or if you're providing services to for-profit entities or private individuals. Um, and Brad will talk a little bit more about those shortly. Um, and it's important if you're engaging in a joint venture to, um, uh, to, to establish a structure and processes for your organization that emphasize its charitable mission. So you wanna have an independent board. Sometimes an organization might be set up in connection with a for-profit entity, but if it is, you want to have a majority of the board members be independent um, in most cases. Uh, and you wanna have clear conflict of interest policies and you wanna be always focusing on the charitable mission and when making decisions uh, about the use of funds and assets and resources. You also, um, as a 501c3, need to be careful around what's called private enormment, which basically means benefits to insiders. Um, in the um, private foundation context, there are the self-dealing rules that I mentioned. And in the public charity context, there are what are called excess benefit transaction rules. So in either case, you have to be very careful and wary of transactions with insiders or benefiting insiders in terms of the use of the assets and activities of the organization, um, as, as well as being careful around um, uh, non-fixed compensation, compensation that is determined by percentages or compensation that's not subject to a cap. Um, I mentioned unrelated business activities, those you can engage in, but you have to limit them to an insubstantial amount. And so if your organization does end up engaging in unrelated business activities that look like they're going to take on a life of their own, it's often good to 
put those into a um, into a subsidiary uh, such as a C corporation. Um, as I mentioned before, C3s cannot engage in political campaign activity in support of or opposition to candidates for public office. So you need to be careful to avoid that at all costs. You also um, want to monitor your lobbying activity. Private foundations are not allowed to lobby. Public charities can, but it must not be a substantial purpose of the public charity. And generally speaking, there's not a bright line rule, but your public charity can make an election under Section 501H of the Internal Revenue Code to um, have specific dollar limits placed on its lobbying where it can track those and determine if it's getting close to those limits. And as I mentioned before, to maintain your status, you must file your Forms 990. Otherwise, you will be automatically revoked if you don't file for three years in a row. So with that, I will turn it over to Brad to um, talk about the next part of our presentation. Thank you.